Warning. This episode contains some strong language. Listener discretion is advised. stories that did make it. I'm Hillary B. Bisnets. Listeners, I am so excited to welcome back to the podcast none other than Jordan Corella. Jordan, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Hillary. I'm just to sound cliche, I am very excited to be here. I'm very excited to have you back on the show. Uh, I saw that you had a new collection coming out right around uh, November. I was looking for somebody to come on and talk about a book they had coming out right around November. And I thought, I haven't talked with Jordan like face to face or video to video in like forever. We got to do it. Time is indeed fake and not fake at the same time. So at the same time. So like (laughs) it's been both forever and yet not at all. I know, right? Not at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh, so we're here to talk about When I Was Lost, your brand new short story collection that just came out on October 21st. Yeah, it's like, I am stoked about this collection. Like, one, I wanted a short story collection for forever, not an actual forever time, not mm-hmm. like pretend forever time. And two, when my old agent, Matt Belford, was like, let's do a short story collection. I was like, did you read my mind? <laughs> so like, so um, I'm, he's no longer working in agenting, which is very sad, but he's doing what he wants to do, which is per- terrific. But before he left agenting, he worked with me on this short story collection. And it was tons of fun to put together. And we got it together and we sold it to Tripodito. And um, this editor was great to work with. And I'm just going on. I just love this thing. I yeah, just, we uh, love yeah. to see it. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just excited. Um, also, the cover art by Mikio Murakami was perfect. And then oh, Scarlett, the editor, and I worked together on the design. So Stunning. Incredible. Yeah. So, um, yeah. As we are recording this, uh, we just found out, like, a couple days ago when this book is coming out. And I saw the cover for the first time, and I flipped my shit. When I saw the cover for the first time, I was like, are you kidding? <laughs> like, I was just psyched because like when I told Scarlett Algi, the editor, that I wanted to have the Jewel of the Vashwa and like the which is a story about a scorpion mm-hmm. um a scorpion woman on these cliffs with a spear as like the sort of idea of the front cover and and she was like yes and so like when I saw it, I was like oh my god like so yeah it's is exactly what I wanted. Yeah. And that's very rare that you get exactly what you want as a cover. So like, right? yeah, right, yeah. But I mean, I feel like that is one of the things that uh, is is a little bit more common when you're working with small presses. Yeah, I think so too, because I had another book out before and the cover was just, it blew me away too. And that was also a small press book. I was like, whoa, yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to Keanu Reeves, like, we, whoa. We love yeah. small presses. We love yes. to see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Uh, so you're going to be reading us a story out of When I Was Lost. Uh is there any introduction that we need before we get into it? 
Uh, no, th except for the fact that this is a new story. I have read it before. I probably sent this thing out 22 times. <laughs> and um, it was held almost everywhere. Like it oh. got the final, 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 final round. In fact, the most devastating rejection I got was from um, Apex. And it oh. literally said, now I love Apex. Apex, mm -hmm. I love Jason and Leslie. I love everybody, all the first readers there. And Jason said, this story is perfect. There is nothing wrong with it. And I love this rejection. And it said, I just bought a story like it two days ago. That's and then like, and that's, time is fake. But also yep. if I had sent the story in two weeks earlier, which I couldn't have known, because mm -hmm. it was actually being held for final, final round somewhere else two weeks prior. And I literally sent it the next day, right? So I sent it the, the next day. And so, like, I, I, I had no control over time. Nobody does. If you do, yeah. I, I would like to know how. <laughs> so, um, but, like, I had no control. So I was just like, ugh. Like, I was just, I was just destroyed. And so then I put it into the collection. So that's why your stories are never trunked. They're just waiting. Mm-hmm. Unless they're, like, the one I talked to you before, that was just no. That was yeah. automatic <laughs> AF. So, like, no. Like, that one was trumped. But this one was just waiting for the right moment, and the collection was the right moment. We love to see it. Thank you. Yeah. So, uh, this story is called The Hero and the Leviathan. Um, and it's from the perspective of a living ship. So, yeah. So, um, should I start? Ready when you are. Okay. So, this is The Hero and the Leviathan. A new story from When I Was Lost and is by me, Jordan Crow. So, my darling girl, it is time I tell you a story. It is time I tell you a story as your breathing continues to shallow, as you drift further into unconsciousness. I will tell you this story as my oxygen supply continues to vent from my punctured membranes as we are continually sped, spinning to our deaths. My darling girl, my darling pilot, Egan Lapso, how far you have strayed, but it is not your fault. It is not every day a woman tries to kill a living ship and it is not every day a living ship tries to kill back. <laughs> but today is not that day. I noticed the cryo drugs you slipped into my food supply, and I noticed how sluggish they made me. I noticed the malware you inserted into my nav console, and I noticed when it hid our destination. I, Paya, am an old leviathan, Egan Lapso, and you are an old woman. Did you believe that a woman of 50 years could outsmart a ship centuries older? I suppose you did, Egan Lapso. I suppose you did. So allow me to tell you this story. The story of how I came to be and how I will not let you die this day. How I will not let either of us die this day because that is not the Leviathan I am, but simply the one you believed me to be. Before my last daughter, my last pilot died, her last rabbit died. Hero kept rabbits here within my walls. I suppose I never told you that, Egan, but then again, you never once asked about Hero, no matter how many times you experienced her death. When Hero's last rabbit died, we gave it a spacefarer's funeral. This rabbit was unlike the others, which we froze and sold to the refugee camps for food. Hero said a little speech to the rabbit before sending it to drift and freeze among the stars. She said, Bits, 
May your journey to the grasslands be swift and may your joy there be plentiful. When I asked why she gave Spitz a spacefarer's funeral and not the other rabbit, she said, he was the last, Paya, and I don't think I'm going to get any more. Why not, Hero Nascent? I'm getting old, she said, and I don't think the rabbits want to outlive me out here in the cold. You are not old, Hero Nascent, I said to her. You are younger than me. I am 68 years old, Paya, she smiled, wiping broth from her lips. That's venerable for the kind of work that we do. Hmm. She remains venerable, Egan Lapso, now to me. You told me once that you hated me, my daughter, my pilot, that you could not tolerate my idiosyncratic behavior, my propensity to jump erratically without direction, than to fall catatonic and unresponsive for hours. I have told you, Egan, there is a reason for this. I have shown you. I have made sure you felt it. You remind me of Hero, your same rhythms in your heartbeats, your behaviors, your phrases. So then the memories, the trauma, they all come flooding back. I cannot stop what happens. I feel the pain of Hero's heart again, the seizing, the wrenching of it, the stopped cooling of it. I hear her death again, the pleading for help, her body hitting the edges of the pilot dock. I cannot stop what happens next. My body does what it does. My circuits fill with adrenaline and we jump. I cannot go on with you speaking as Hero spoke, seeming as Hero seemed. I cannot do this without you understanding why Hero was or who Hero was. You must be able to see her as I saw her. You must grow to know her as I knew her because you are not Hero Nascent Egan, although I wish you were. What is that thing you are repairing, Hero? My drones hovered around her, holding tools, holding flashlights. It's an abandoned refrigeration unit, Hero said. Her body crouched inside the thing, wearing the green jumpsuit she always wore. She was caulking pieces of molded plastic to the unit's chassis. This process smelled of burning. It made my membranes itch. It's mm. salvageable. Made somewhere in the last 30 years. Still comparable with some of the planet's tech. So we're going to stop by one of the closest human refugee camps and see if they can use it. Approved, Hero. I await course settings. Well, Paya, I have to fix the damn thing first. <laughs> I was always curious about exactly what Hero did, or was doing. Very often, she was still and silent on the ship, sitting and staring at a single point. When I once asked her what she thought about when she sat and stared at this single point, she said, Nothing. My mind is dark. A black hole. Now she worked on this refrigeration unit that seemed to have several slug holes in it, slug holes that appeared the same caliber as Hero's ship killer revolver. Hero, I have a question. Yes, Paya? Did you shoot this refrigeration unit? Silly question, Paya, Hero said, but her face reddened, a sign of elevated blood pressure. It ran too high most days, but now it made her face and chest flush. It made her hands shake. She gritted her teeth, inhaled sharply, and spoke again. She said, of course I shot it. You, Egan, are sleeping soundly as you die. Do you know that you are dying? Dying as my drones repair my punctured membranes, punctured, shot through by your own ship killer during my drugged cry of sleep, drugged by you to be killed by you, my own daughter, my own pilot. But you will not die. I will make sure of that. I will not die either. You are much like Hero Nascent, Egan. You both enjoyed firing ship killers. You both enjoyed gambling and stopping for long hours at derelict casinos to salvage souvenirs 
<laughs> but Hero never had a bounty on her head, Egan. Hero never killed anyone she didn't have to, whereas you. Whereas you. Who is this unidentified biomass, Egan? Some guy, you said. He owed me money. And why does he no longer have life science? Well, Paya, he wouldn't give me the money. Ah, <laughs> uh, so you took other things. Yeah, you said, throwing the man into my recycler. Like his life. Then I took his wallet. <laughs> One evening, Hiro read her cards on the piloting console. She read them over and over, playing them out again and again. Each time she frowned, reshuffled, and reread. I could hear her irritation in her fluttering heartbeat and her spiking blood pressure, the rage that was becoming my rage. If you continue to tempt fate like this, Hero, fate will not be happy with you. <sighs> it already isn't, she said, laying out the cards again. What do they say? I asked. Nothing good, Paya. Nothing good. Let us concentrate on something else, Hero Nasset. Let us concentrate on our delivery to Velen Petir 4. The scrapped loaded on the skiff? The hero was distracted. She would not answer me. Hero, is the scrap loaded on the skiff? Yes, yes, sorry, Paya. I was just thinking. It is okay. Let us jump now. We can be early and you can go to that coffee stand you enjoy so much. Yeah, sounds, sounds good, thanks. She pulled on her jump straps, put in her mouth guard, and smiled. Then we go, I said. I flooded my system with adrenaline. Then I shuddered, and Hero shuddered. Routine. Off routine. Hmm. When I jumped, I thought nothing of it. I thought nothing of what Hero had been thinking, of what her cards said. Now I think of it all the time, because somewhere, deep in space, far from Velen Peter Four, Hero said, It hurts, Paya. It hurts. And then Egan... Then she died. But it did not go as easily as that. We both know this already. When I met you, Egan Lapso, you powered up my systems with a hand so familiar I thought I had been awakened by a ghost. Your biorhythms were so familiar to Hero's that I thought you were a lost daughter or granddaughter of hers, but Hero had never had children. I would have known. When I woke, you smiled at me, all white hair, green eyes, and bleached teeth, and you said, I saw your death, girl. It's not in this junk heap. Ready for some new adventures? You salvaged me, as Hero salvaged so much. You continued to do salvage wreckage as she had over and over. You were so like Hero in so many ways that it scared me. Walking around in the mm. green jumpsuit Hero always wore, touching my controls with the same heartbeat, 72 beats per minute, the same blood pressure, 170 over 93, that I saw in Hero's death the first time. It flooded my memory, made me feel her heart race, made me Feel it seize, clutch, then go still. I could not stop the memory. I could not. My body did as it would so many more times. It filled with adrenaline, triggering drimp. Then you, Egan, you screamed, Wait, wait, you stupid ship! I haven't plugged in the court! When we came in, we were orbiting nothing. Nothing at all. Hey, thanks, you said. I was planning on coming here anyway. You're welcome, I said. That is the extent I am able to lie. You, Egan, are able to lie much more than that. The second time you reminded me of Hero was when I found you sitting at the table, palms facing up, staring at a single point. You, Egan, had just killed a man. It was the first time I had known you to kill anyone, and there you sat, mag boots attached to my floor, palms facing up on the table, focused. So focused. I heard Hero's voice, Hero's raw, steel-edged voice, come to me through the haze. She said, It hurts, Paya. It hurts. The adrenaline shot through my system. I thought I would die. I thought we would both die as Hero had died. And you stood up yelling, running, What the hell are you doing, you damn stupid? But it was too late. We jumped again. And this time, 
I had to have my drones bring me to medbay and give you 12 stitches in your head and apply a cast to your arm. Sorry. When you woke, you said, no wonder you were in that junk heap, you giant piece of trash. <sighs> I said nothing, but you were not done. Paya, I'm talking to you. At least I had docked myself to a nearby station so you could get very, very drunk. <sighs> Six months and four unplanned jumps later, you grew almost silent, wandering my corridors, no longer touching me, no longer using my leviathan capabilities. You did all things yourself as if I were any other dead ship, any other beast of titanium, another soulless material crewed by an angry complement of one. You only spoke when you had to or when you had a point to make, such as when you slid into the pilot dock three weeks ago, pulled on the jump straps and said, Hey, Paya, what the hell is wrong with you? Why were you in that trash heap? <laughs> you did not ask the broker, Ethan Lapso. Not my policy to ask questions. I want what I want, then I take it. That is not a very good policy, Egan Lapso. <sighs> well, you said your rage spiking, so my rage was spiking. I'm asking the questions now, aren't I? And I'm the boss, so answer. As you know, as I have told you several times, Hero died when she talked to me. Did you love her? I loved her as much as a mother loves her children. You laughed, a quick bark like a bird from one of Hero's nature vids. I'm not your daughter, Paya, but you are. I said, you always have been, as if. You said <sighs> nothing else. You plugged the coordinates for a nest destination and you put in your mouth guard and closed your eyes. You did not speak to me for the remaining weeks, tracking now through the inventory of what you purchased. I see, in that time, you were purchasing the materials to kill me, to kill both of us. You even repaired Hero's old skiff so you could save yourself. But unless I save us, Egan Lapso, you will not survive to use it. Did you forget, as you often forgot, that we share ourselves when we're our board, our emotions, our experiences, our lives? I have shared your emotions of rage toward me, Egan Lapso, your hatred, your confusion, your vile moods. So too, you must have felt my fear, my fear of you. You must have forgotten as you forgot so many times when you fed me the cryo jugs that you would take them too, accidentally killing yourselves in your attempts to kill me. And now this, my drones have sutured the membranes you shot Egan, shot with your ship killer. My oxygen reserves are at 10%. That is not enough to keep us both alive until we reach port and you would understand that if you were awake. I do not know how for long you will be asleep. And I cannot keep you here, Egan, here. I know where we are. Despite the malware, I have been at this long enough to read stars. We are a reasonable distance from a derelict casino and a lazy ways away from a salvage yard. A skiff flight and my remaining life support's distance. We can make it, Ethan Lapso. You can make it. You have to. I unlock you from the dock, having every operable drone I have left carry you off to the skiff. We will eject it out into space where I will say our goodbyes. You once asked me, Egan, if I was ready for some new adventures. I wasn't, but I thank you for the ones I had. You showed me that I was not yet done exploring, seeing what was out there, and you showed me that I had seen enough. Goodbye, Egan Lapso. May your journey to the stars be swift, and may your life be plentiful. I will not have another daughter after you. I will not take on another pilot. I am growing too old too venerable for the work that we do, that we have done. And I want to be venerable and remain venerable as Hero did, not as you have done. So as the skiff ejects out into space, with you in your flight suit, your helmet locked on, your breathing shallow, the skiff spinning as I am spinning, both of us with vague destinations set, with dim life signs, I bank left and turn away. 
May you be better for this experience and may I, may I be better for mine. Good luck, Elapso, my daughter, my pilot, and goodbye. The end. Jesus Christ. I could not breathe through half of that, Jordan. I am... I am so gay for the relationships between ships and their pilots. Thank you. Like, I just... I I am contractually obligated almost every episode to mention Friends at the Table, the actual play podcast focused on critical world-building smart characterization and fun interaction between good friends and their currently in the run-up to their next season and had a I think a two-episode mini arc that was just about the relationship between a thousands of year old of years old godlike AI mm -hmm. giant robot and their pilot and it was just the queerest thing ever and uh, just just goosebumps this was so good Thank you so much. This was literally written because I love Farscape. Like, that's like, 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 the whole <laughs> I love Farscape so, so much. And the whole thing with Pilot, like having the people like Pilot and the, and the people docked in mm -hmm. the ship and the people on the ship. And Farscape is like big science fiction Muppets in space feels with all the relationships and everything in there and like so Moya good. and Pilot and everything and I was just like oh what if you wrote a story about that and like I was just like but you can't do Farscape like fanfic right but like what mm -hmm. if you like and I was like I just love the idea of a living ship and I was like what if the living ship had PTSD right mm -hmm. and, was, and then like I was I really was like working on this story for like three years and I could not figure out like how the ship flew right because it mm -hmm. has to like, and then someone, I think it was Aaron Rosenberg at a Gen Con symposium, <laughs> writer's symposium, said the way the ship flies has to be integral to the plot, right? Mm -hmm. So I was like, wait, I got it. And I didn't listen to the entire rest of the panel because I was too busy like <laughs> plotting out the entire freaking story. But then like, it took me three months to get the point of view right. Because mm -hmm. I was trying to write it from Egan's perspective, and then I was trying to write it from like, Hero's perspective, and I was trying to write it from like other points of view, and yep. I was like, wait, though, what if it's from Pia's perspective? And I was like, yes. And so like, but like, ever like everywhere I sent it, it literally made it to like the top one percent, like the last three or yep. out of two, and then that one from Jason Sizemore, who was like a brilliant editor, and I was like, ah, oh, crushed. And then I was tears, but no, thank you. So like, I just. <laughs> This is this means a lot to me because I have PTSD. Mm -hmm. So like, what meant a lot to me to write this story as someone with PTSD, like, because mm -hmm. there's a lot of that like having PTSD, people not understanding it, and also that apology, right? That apologizing to people who don't get it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, also anyway. just extremely big breck from the imperial ratch trilogy vibes like oh yeah okay that that was also in there too like because i was like probably one of the first science fiction like really like deep like mm -hmm. big world building science fiction ebooks that i read because i wasn't allowed to read science fiction as a kiddo right mm -hmm. so, like, so i didn't really start reading science fiction when I, until i started writing science fiction was the imperial ratch trilogy and i was just like i like devoured it so like, it's so the the second 
book of that trilogy is still the best book I've ever read about grief. Okay, one, yes. And two, like, that that book was incredible about grief, but also, like, the whole, like, the world building in that book is so, it's very front-loaded in the first one, right? Mm -hmm. But then it is so needed because if you don't, God, like, I I could just, I, I could do, like, an entire two-hour just speech about <laughs> why that entire trilogy is so forming to everything that I write that's science fiction in general. Yeah, so, mm -hmm. like... Uh, Tales from the Trunk is over. This is now an Anne Leckie fan cast. <laughs> no, but, like, okay, so the first book is just, like, big feels for anything that I write science fiction because a lot of what I write science fiction is about death, grief, PTSD, mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. And then, like, the second book is basically grief and death and, like, like... But it's all like all just like grief and death in space. So mm -hmm. like so like and so the other story science fiction like hard science not hard science fiction but like science fiction like in space story I have in here is the one and when I was lost um, is a generation ship where they taxidermy their dead. <sighs> yeah. So but it's like about lies and relationship and betrayal and the taxiderming their dead is a is an ancestor worship thing because they're mm. basically traveling on this generation ship worshiping their past generations i love that so like yeah so like but it's it's the last story in the collection and it was originally published in fusion fragment six which is oh, an incredible magazine and if you want like the the bonkers stuff mm -hmm. it's like the weirdest like the i love this magazine because it's the weird dark stuff that like that Kevin Terrell is an incredible editor. So, mm -hmm. like, I, I I buy all the magazines, and you can buy them. You can pay as you want, and you can down you can download them to your e-reader, and you just it's a wild ride of just some of the Sounds weirdest perfect. science fiction that you can get. Yeah. So yeah. Um, also, he's a great editor to work with too. So yeah. Nice. Um, yeah. Um. So uh, this being Tales from the Trunk, and I know it's a little bit different when we're talking about uh, collection as opposed to uh, standalone work, but do you have any favorite stories that just didn't fit with the collection as a whole that you just really regret not being able to put in here? I, I was just thinking about this one today because uh, my story that made it into Diabolical Plots, which mm. was the one that like... I loved because it was based off of King's Quest Three. <laughs> For that terrible journey down the mountain, right? Oh yeah, yeah. So, so like, so it was a story that I wrote, um, and it made it into Diabolical Plots in April of 2020, I think. Um, and it just didn't work. It just didn't fit in the collection, and I'm still upset about it because <laughs> I love that story, and it was just everywhere I put it, and I read it through, it just stood out as like a wrench right mm -hmm. and i'm very upset because that story was really important for me to write um as an experiment in voice right mm -hmm. an experiment in time and everything else it was also super fun to write because it was a wizard and a dragon not trying to kill each they tried to kill each other but then they're like why don't we just like chill mm -hmm. right like why don't we just chill and by the nature of wizard and dragons we have to eventually kill each other but then they were like in love with each other mm -hmm. so like i love that story because it it goes with the trope and then subverts the trope but also has a king's quest 3 vibe to it so like <laughs> but um it just everywhere i put it it just didn't work mm -hmm. and i'm still upset about it i'm still upset about it but i mean that's fair 
Listeners, mm-hmm. if you want to be upset about this story not being in the book, you can go out and read it. Links will be in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I like this story. And it, because um, um, I like the way that I write stories, I try to, I kind of come up it, come at it as, as a setting and a thought. And like, I want to write a story about like this one thing that I loved and then mm-hmm. make it mine. But I also try to make an experiment out of every story. Like I want to write a story like this experiment. And then this was a great experiment in writing and it still didn't make it in. So yeah, but, um, what but I got to do a, a lot of my other experiments in writing made it in. So yeah. That's um, excellent. Yeah. Uh, now, you know, I've asked you about your favorite bit that just didn't make it. I hate to have to do this, but what's your favorite story that you got to put in this? Okay, so this is, um, oh, God, that's, that's like, that's hard. Um, <laughs> um, my favorite story that got to, that got on here now um, was actually in Lamplight. Oh! Um, it was the one that was, that was edited by E. Catherine Tobler. Um, and it was one that I wrote uh, that was basically supposed to be written like in the vibe of a waltz. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love it because I think because it was one of the last issues that Lamplight put out. And I love Lamplight and I love and I love all their dark fiction. And I th- thought they were a terrific magazine. I'm very upset that they had to close. Yeah, I was also, one just goals to have a story picked by E. Catherine Tobler. I, who sent me right? some of the most like encouraging rejections of my life from Shimmer and Deadlands, right? So like like yeah. So anyway, um, it's called the War Song of Barra and Irit, and um, I would have read it, but it's like five thousand words, so it wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Be, but it's basically supposed to be written in the form of a waltz because um, Irit is singing a song to Barra, who is the War Song was the war song warrior Mm. she's kind of like a scald um and um but the whole thing as you read it if you read it out loud it's sort of in three four time and that was the experiment was to write a song in prose so i love this so it was kind of like and the whole and it's just like this devastating story it's just devastating most of the stories in here are very dark like that's what i do um, and but that also like it, it was just my favorite story that I think just didn't get a lot of exposure, right? Because mm-hmm. um, unfortunately, I think that was I, I like and I was just like, Ugh. but like I also I mean I love a lot of stories in here. I'll, I mean I love all the stories in here, but I think War Song of Baron Ear was probably my favorite. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. I my Lamplight was my first paying sale, mm-hmm. and I'm forever indebted to them. Uh, and like, it's also like, it's so hard to be a, you know, print only essentially magazine. Mm-hmm. Jacob and... Haddon is terrific. Like just oh, like incredible so person, very nice, very kind. And like, he was totally great to work with. And Catherine Tobler, terrific to work with both of them. Wonderful. I love Lamplight. Very sad that it is not around anymore but you can go pick up the issue like yeah yeah, so like please do (laughs) yeah so like they're terrific also the covers are gorgeous like the whole and they're and also like my war song baron era in the story in the in the issue came right before a mary shelley story Mm. which is kind of like i didn't know that was on my bucket list but it is now right (laughs) so like yeah so um um so that was my favorite yeah i think that's 
so awesome. Um, oh, uh, so you don't have just one book out recently, though. You do, in fact, also have a novella that just came out very recently. I never liked you anyway. Can you give our listeners a brief pitch on it? Uh, yeah, it's sort of like if you take Orpheus and Eurydice and flip it, because Orpheus is kind of an asshole and Eurydice is... Boy, is he. Not the asshole. So, like, um, so the... Eurydice is dead and hell is a school and Eurydice basically has to go to school to figure out why she dated Orpheus, who was kind of a jerk. <laughs> so like, so, but it's not like, why, why did you date this asshole? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, no, but so like, it's basically an, am I the asshole post for dating this? For I love this. this guy. Yeah. So like, yeah, but it's two point of views. Yeah. So I absolutely love this for you. Listeners, be sure to pick up both I Never Liked You Anyway and Jordan's new story collection, When I Was Lost. Uh, Before we get going, Jordan, has there been any uh, books, music, uh, video games, any other media that you have consumed recently that you're just pumped up to tell people about? I, uh, I've read this book twice. <laughs> I don't read books twice, especially in quick succession, but Isaac Spellman's Dead Collections. Like, oh. I can't stop. Okay, maybe it's because I'm transitioning, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but Isaac Feldman's Dead Collections, I've literally read twice. I, I read it, and then I read another book, and then I went back <laughs> to get to read Isaac Feldman's Dead Collections. Um, and there's, like, with the... With the there, uh, it reads like fanfic, one. It's got, mm-hmm. like... Um, it's got, like um, I, I'm, I have aphasia, so I'm blanking on like when you have like different kinds of media like interspersed in the book. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, uh, but uh, that is, it's great. So, it's like, that. Yeah, it's found. It's it's like I think it's like, um, but it reads like fanfic because it's about it has an archive of our own board member in it, right? Nice. It's got a trans mask person. I'm not going to, but it's a trans love story, queer love story. It's got tragedy. It's got vampires. It's got jokes it's like i can't what more do you need i write so like god like i can't i have laughed out loud so many times at the same jokes the second time like i know they're coming and mm-hmm. it makes me laugh harder the second time so that book i am just bananas about i still play the same video game i play final fantasy 14 i am I am still a gamer about it, though, because, like, I'm just like, oh, well, if I take, like, if I just, like, alter, like, this, this thing, like, does the monster die faster, right? So, like, I just love the end game of MMOs. I'm a big MMO player. I have been since, like, forever, since, like, 2004, and we all know what MMO came out in 2004. Yeah, so anyway, we do. So, yeah, so anyway, World of Warcraft, so, for those who don't know. So, anyway, so, um, but uh, I play Final Fantasy fourteen. Um, and then, um, shows, I just, I just made my best friend watch Clue, which oh, nice. he hadn't seen. And then we just finished, I mean, we watched Sandman and we, we, we were watching Mythic Quest because as a gamer, you mm-hmm. kind of have to watch Mythic Quest. Um, but, um, no, um, but no, a Dead Collections is like, I love it. I also just realized I have like four Niveau books. <laughs> like I didn't realize I had collected four Niveau books. So apparently, like I just bought Siren Queen. I'm like, oh boy! And like, so, like I guess when when somebody just sneaks in as one of your favorite authors, you're like, mm-hmm. oh, I should probably put these together on the shelf. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So something like terrific that. author, just like amazing. I'm super excited to read Siren Queen. So yeah. 
That's so awesome. Well, Jordan, it's been so good to have you on the show once again. Uh, For listeners who maybe missed you the first time or just need a refresher, where can we find you elsewhere? Uh, I'm only on Twitter uh, because I'm afraid of the metaverse. Um, I'm only on Twitter at Corellian. It's K-U-R-E-L-L-I-N. And I'm on uh, I'm on the webs at um, <laughs> jordancorella.com, just my name.com. Um, Fantastic. And I do update my website. So, yeah. I, I, I think that puts you in the minority of authors. I just updated it today. So... <laughs> <laughs> I changed pronouns more than a year ago at this point, I think, and... It took me, uh, I, I don't remember when that happened, but it took me like a solid six months to update the pronouns in my bio on my website, so. I literally just like made a made a graphic of like the covers of my books and put it up like on the thing today. Oh, nice. Like, I probably should take this other thing down. Yeah, so like, no, yeah. not, I probably should put the covers of the books up there. Yeah, no, so uh, I, I don't know. That's fair. <laughs> Uh, Jordan, again, thank you so, so much for being on the show. It's been an absolute delight, as always. Thank you, Hillary. You are also an absolute delight. So, thank you. No, you really are. Thank you so much. Um, and um, thank you for the podcast, and thank you just for just being you. I'm cry. You're going to. I can see your face right now. You are going to. So that I said that on purpose. but yes thank you for being here and thank you for the podcast thank you for having me thank you of course listeners stick around in two weeks when we'll have a very special NaNoWriMo guest our very own ML RJ Theodore is returning once again to the show yes Tales from the Trunk is mixed and produced in beautiful Oakland California Our theme music is Paper Wings by Lillian Boyd. You can support the show on Patreon at patreon.com slash trunkcast. All patrons of the show now get a sticker and logo button, along with show outtakes and other content that can't be found anywhere else. You can find the show on Twitter at trunkcast, and I tweet at hbbisniex. If you like the show, consider taking a moment to rate and review us on your preferred podcast platform. And remember, don't self-reject. Don't self-reject.